Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. In today's story, we're headed towards Pueblo and the 1904 Eden train wreck. This episode was written and is being presented for you by Tommy Allen. What is flash flooding? Flooding that begins within six hours and often within three hours of heavy rainfall. The intensity of the rainfall, the location and distribution of the rainfall, the land use and topography, vegetation types, and growth density, soil type, and soil water content all determine just how quickly the flash flooding may occur and influence where it may occur. Flash flooding occurs so quickly that people are caught off guard. Their situation may become dangerous if they encounter high, fast-moving water while traveling. Flash flooding is possible everywhere. The normally tranquil streams and creeks in your neighborhood or area can become raging torrents if heavy rain falls overhead or even upstream of your location. From the National Weather Service website, I covered the effects of flash flooding on train service in my episode, Billy Westall's Sacrifice and the Teacher and Students Who Remembered. The loss of Mr. Westall and several of his passengers is tragic and heartbreaking. But on August 7, 1904, a train wreck occurred near a place called Eden, north of Pueblo, whose circumstances and loss of life were horrifying. Fountain Creek is a tributary of the Arkansas River starting at its source in Green Mountain Falls near the border of Teller and El Paso counties, flowing through Colorado Springs, and turning south to Pueblo. Along the plains on which it travels, it has many of its own tributaries feeding it. One of these, known as Dry Creek, flows in from the west and empties into Fountain Creek about seven miles north of downtown Pueblo. Just west of that confluence and across Dry Creek stretches the number 110B bridge, a sturdy trestle bridge that in 1904 spanned the 50-foot wide, 15-foot deep gap for standard gauge trains to cross. In Denver on the afternoon of August 7, 1904, passengers boarded Denver and Rio Grande Railroad train number 11, known as the Missouri Pacific Flyer. The train was made up of the passenger car, smoker, diner, baggage, and two sleeper cars. According to the article in Golden Colorado's newspaper, the Colorado Transcript, nearly every coach was well filled when the train pulled out of Denver at five o'clock. The storms at night were violent. South of Pueblo, near Trinidad, Colorado, a storm was reported to be flooding mines. North of Trinidad in Fisher Canyon, two men were driving a car when they were drowned when the storm washed their car away. A Rocky Mountain News article reported that west of Pueblo in Salida, the heaviest rain and windstorm witnessed in this section for years began at 4.30 o'clock this afternoon and continued for an hour. Small hailstones fell and the streets were so flooded with water that it was impossible to pass along on foot. And near Salida in Howard, Colorado, the D and RG Railroad was already experiencing washed out tracks. The Rocky Mountain News article went on to report, 
Near Howard, 12 miles east, the track was submerged for several hundred yards and passenger train number one was held three hours until the track was in safe condition. All of this chaos was from a thunderstorm that lasted about an hour and prevailing weather patterns were carrying that storm east towards Pueblo and Eden. The Missouri Pacific Flyer was regarded as the D&RG's fastest train and safely and smoothly made Colorado Springs in about two hours and five minutes. Passengers disembarked and more boarded, and by the time the train left the station, it carried a few more than it had arrived with. According to the book, Colorado's Deadliest Floods by Darla Sue Dahlman, the load was around 125 persons, including many women and children. The majority of passengers on the train were from Denver and Pueblo. The first class coach was apparently so crowded that passengers were standing in the aisle. From Colorado Springs, the train continued south towards Pueblo for a scheduled one hour and 10 minute leg. The number seven train was about an hour ahead of it and safely made the journey. But as it neared Eden, passengers aboard saw the increasing storm and the train had to stop several times due to the rising waters. The passengers of the number seven became agitated, afraid an accident could occur, and had to be calmed by the train's crew. As the number 11 made its way south and entered the storm, the thunder was so powerful it shook the train, and hail had collected so thickly that passengers mistook it for snow on the ground. The passengers began to express concern at the raging weather. Upstream. A county bridge broke away and was on a collision course with the number 110B bridge. But the Missouri Pacific Flyer was behind schedule, so it was traveling faster than the safety speeds normally observed during heavy storms. As the engine reached and crossed the number 110B bridge at about 8 o'clock in the dark night, the 15-foot deep arroyo was flooded, a raging torrent of water flowing down Dry Creek. The firemen reported feeling the trestle bridge sway under the locomotive, and as the locomotive was crossing the threshold between trestle and solid ground, the bridge gave way, dragging it back into the torrent. Flagman Henry Elton made his way into the raging storm from the Eden train station to mark the bridges to stop train number 11. He'd marked the first bridge along his route and was headed for bridge number 110B when he saw the oncoming train lights disappear. He couldn't have known, but had he left 10 minutes earlier or had the train been 10 minutes slower, he could have made the bridge in time to mark it and stop the train from crossing. The force of the water was so great that it jerked the first Pullman car just about to cross onto the trestle to a sudden stop as it snapped the coupler between it and the rest of the train. The leading end of the first Pullman car hung over the violent water, behind it the other Pullman car and the dining car. W. Melvin Sales, porter for the second Pullman car, acted immediately after the violent stop and pulled the air brake, locking down the wheels of the remaining cars. His act prevented those cars from rolling forward into the water and saved everybody aboard them. The number 11's fireman Frank Mayfield was thrown from the engine and landed on solid ground, hitting his head and being knocked unconscious. The superintendent for dining car service for the D&RG was aboard the train and told the Colorado Springs Gazette, 
I rushed to the platform and saw before me nothing but a black raging torrent with three coaches whirling down the stream. It was horrible. I have never experienced anything like the awful sensation that came over me when I saw the cars packed with human beings floating down that flood. The water was rushing against the banks with terrific velocity and no human being, it seemed to me, could ever withstand that awful current. Engineer Henry S. Hinman was thrown into the water and was later found drowned on the banks of Fountain Creek near Eden. The passenger, smoker, and baggage cars packed to capacity joined the engine as it was pulled into the water and were swept downstream. Three men in the smoker car noticed a hole at the top of it and were able to escape to safety, but most everyone on those cars were trapped. As the train cars rolled and bounced in the flood, they not only had passengers trapped inside, but they also came to rest on top of ejected passengers. Fireman Frank Mayfield came to next to the driving water. He recovered his bearings and ran up and downstream, looking for the engineer and any survivors before running for the Eden train station. The train had come to rest on its right side, pretty much where it had plunged into the water. The first class car finally came to rest about a half mile down Fountain Creek. The smoker and baggage cars were washed away and couldn't be found in the search on the following day. They were eventually found four miles downriver. Frank Mayfield ran through the raging storm and found Henry Elton coming the other way and related the horrible incident. Rescue trains were dispatched carrying every doctor available in Pueblo, policemen, other searchers, railroad officials, and simple coffins. The trains took several hours to arrive. The surviving passengers huddled together in the storm, and when the storm passed and the stars came out, they built a fire to regain some warmth. They were spared the sight of death because most of the evidence had been washed downstream and the locomotive was still underwater. When the rescue trains arrived, the doctors aboard them found they had little to do. Almost all of the victims were beyond their help. Some of the passengers on the remaining train cars had injuries, but those were minor. 500 men would become involved in the search for the passengers. They started with bloodhounds, but ran into problems when the dogs became trapped in the mud. Debris and mud would greatly hamper the recovery efforts. The first bodies found were two women and a girl of about 15 years of age. They had apparently been on the passenger car and were discovered about a half mile down Fountain Creek. They were unidentifiable and covered in mud. In fact, the mud that had settled over the bodies made the searcher's job of finding the victims extremely difficult. The bodies trapped under the cars were severely mangled, many unrecognizable. Victims had also been carried great distances downriver, with one of the most publicized being a young, well-dressed woman who showed up on the banks of the Arkansas 25 miles from the collapsed trestle. 111 passengers and crew were reportedly lost in the incident, and only 17 came away uninjured with the total survivor count debated, but at around 29. Bridge number 110B was rebuilt and back in operation within 24 hours. And engine number 11 was recovered, repaired, and put back in service. 
I would like to thank Teller County Reserve Deputy Doc Williams for giving me the idea for this episode. When he found out that I had started a history podcast, he enthusiastically pointed me to the story of the train wreck at Eden. And to you, the listener, thank you for listening. This is Tommy Allen wishing you a great day. And I look forward to having you join me next time for more Stories from the Midland. References used in this episode can be found on its webpage. Visit storiesfromthemidland.com slash podcast. <laughs>